Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Riff and Read. Check this out. This is the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking about now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Riff and Read. In 1965, Vietnam seemed like just another foreign war. But it wasn't. It was different in many ways, and so were those who did the fighting. In World War II, the average age of the combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. In, 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 in Vietnam, he was 19. In, in, in Vietnam, he was 19. tell you, ladies and gentlemen, rarely with a disco song that told a story that educated, that sort of brought you back in the time machine to a day that Americans were lied to on a regular basis. Now, Bill O'Reilly was right to point out that it was the, today is the National Vietnam War Veterans Day. I know of some of our listeners who were assembled at the monument in Maspeth, Queens, right off the LIE. You probably can see that huge flag and the monument there and the Maspeth Savings Bank. That's the iconic location, paying tribute to Vietnam veterans, many of whom died needlessly, many who were wounded, many of whom were maimed mentally and physically for the rest of their lives. And families to this day who scratch their heads and wonder why that sacrifice when we were lied to, as we get lied to on a regular basis. I noticed Bill O'Reilly wanted to blame the South Vietnamese for all of this. Of course, he never want to take responsibility on this, the 50th anniversary of the withdrawal of the United States from South Vietnam and eventually the collapse of the South Vietnamese government. And as uh, Bill O'Reilly mentioned, it remains a communist nation, but then again practices capitalism and, believe it or not, is allied with us against the Red Chinese, as strange as that is. Well, first off, let's go back to 1963, when the United States CIA, through presidential order, assassinated the president of South Vietnam that was in conflict with Ho Chi Minh. Uh, the Viet Cong, who were the insurgents, and the regular North Korean, excuse me, the North Vietnamese regular. We had Yen Yem 
assassinated. We, the CIA, Americans, we assassinated the leader that we were supporting through a coup d'etat of generals that we supported through the CIA criminals in action. Why did we have him arrested and assassinated? Because he was trying to convert Buddhists to become Catholics because he was a fanatical Catholic. Okay, you say, well, you know, obviously it's a Buddhist nation. All right, so we use the criminals in action, the CIA. They basically subvert everything that we were supposed to be there for. Freedom of religion, freedom of choice, freedom of speech against the communist horde of North Vietnam that had the support of Jane Blunder Fonda, who was looking under the gun sights to shoot down John McCain and others on behalf of the North Vietnamese and Ho Chi Minh. And oh boy, she survived. What a career she had afterwards. And so many, unfortunately, were in the Hanoi Hilton like John McCain tortured and many who died. But the second lie, the more egregious lie, was the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution. I will never forget as a kid. I believe at the time I was, um, oh, what was it, 10 years old, 1964. President Lyndon Johnson, who had taken over for JFK, who had been assassinated in Dallas by Lee Harvey Oswald announced that there were some PT boats that had attacked uh, some of our cruisers in the Gulf of Tonkin. And as a result, he was ramping up the number of uh, Americans that were being sent to fight in Vietnam. Years later, we learned it was all made up. It never happened. Lyndon Johnson lied and Americans died. And it's not unlike other Americans who have lied to us on a regular basis, Democrats and Republicans. That's why at the start of this program, it says Curtis Sliwa is a politician who says, trust no politician. So we had JFK, when alive, ordered the assassination of Yen Yem, the president of South Vietnam, the very guy we were defending. Why? He was trying to convert Buddhists to Roman Catholics. Whack, whack him. And then LBJ with the Gulf of Tonkin, close to 60,000 died. And look at Vietnam today, right? Communists but capitalists allied with the United States and not with Red China or their old uh, supporters of the old Soviet Union, Russia. So think of that today as we memorialize all the war dead from Vietnam and think back to the 50 years when the withdrawal began. But I want to talk about the war that's taking place here in New York City and the lies that somehow it's safer in the transit system. Let me give you sort of a little potpourri of things going on in the subway. On my way here to WABC to do my 7 o'clock in the morning, 7.05 interview with Sid Rosenberg. Uh, I saw a guy shooting up in the subway, homeless, emotionally disturbed. And then we learned that a woman was robbed of a phone and three rings at gunpoint on the L train approaching Metropolitan Avenue and Lorimer Street. One of them being her engagement rings. At like 7 o'clock at night. Then you saw the story that got the most attention, and rightfully so, on a number six train at approximately 6.30. A packed train. A woman who happened to be a PBS reporter was punched in the face several times on the subway. None of the men on the subway at all helped her or tried to stop the assailant or tried to catch the assailant. But there was a good Samaritan woman who came to her aid. 
That was the number four express train between 59th Street going to Grand Central, right? I, I thought the subway's uh, crime is down. And it harkens us back to Adam Klotz, who, if you remember, on January 23rd, he is the national weather reporter for the Fox News Channel, was on a train, and these four thugs were smoking reefer weed, which you see happening all over the city. And they were blowing smoke in the face of this elderly man. And then they tried to light his hair on fire with their lighter, and Adam Klotz said, hey, you got to stop that. And then they descended on Adam Klotz, and they beat him down, and nobody came to his aid. And they tell us that the subways are safe. More lies, more lies, more lies. And then the, the impotent, impotent police department, rendered impotent by elected officials who won't let them be cops on duty or off duty. And now they are prey. So what is the lead story from our newscasters, uh, the Cracker Jack newscasters that we have, that an off-duty NYPD cop right in the Upper East Side, right off of First Avenue and 90th Street. You know how close that is to Gracie Mansion where Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, supposedly stays at night, although we know that's not true, according to Politico. Uh, His normal comings and goings are to the 90-story Trump building opposite the United Nations, and he stays in his his homeboy's apartment, Uh, Petrosian, Jimmy Petrosian, a convicted felon. Now, if he were a cop and he was doing that, right, he'd lose his badge, he'd lose his gun. What's going on in that apartment every night, huh? Inquiring minds want to know, well, well, what's happened to the press court, City Hall? Why is he staying in that apartment when a few blocks away is Gracie Mansion? And then last night, 7 o'clock, off-duty cop walking his dog along 1st Avenue and East 90th Street. Guy gets off of his scooter and beats the living daylights out of the cop and leaves him for dead. And then just goes away. No arrest, no nothing. Remember back in Castle Hill, it was a few months ago. Off-duty police officer was jogging his normal routine in the morning. Car rolls up. Some teenagers got out and almost killed him. How many days was he in Jacoby Hospital in the ICU, right? No outrage. No outrage. Ah, yeah, there's cops. There's cops. Like I said, the, the baristas in Starbucks get more tips, more praise, more respect from people coming in to buy a stale cup of coffee for $5 than cops get for risking their lives in the street, on duty or off duty. And what are the consequences going to be with this mutt to scale if they ever find him? Nothing. In Alvin Bragg land, nothing. Because his name ain't Trump. If it was Trump, he'd be seeking, uh, you know, send him triple life without parole to arsenic. This continues to go on and on and on. And then today... They want us to be all for toots with all the subway crime going on. That, oh, all of a sudden, the token booth clerks will be coming out of the token booths to save us, to protect us. Well, let's listen in on what the MTA uh, Mach has to say. The agents will spend the vast majority of their time out in the fare array, so close to the booth, but outside the booth, helping customers with the MVM machines, the new Omni, uh, obviously, machines coming soon, and to provide directions. No, we need more cops. Not token booth clerks who occasionally come out of the token booth to help somebody with all these machines that half the time are not working. 
So here's the big mock again, trying to reassure us that this is really a good thing. It's going to make the subway system so much better. If you're not a New Yorker, this can be a complicated system. And so being able to provide that sort of hands-on and very direct customer service is going to be important. You schmendrick. There's New Yorkers that have difficulty with these machines. We're not taking cash. We're not taking debit cards. We're not taking coin. You go from machine to machine. Finally, you're so frustrated, you do what almost everybody else is doing. You jump over the turnstile. You go under the turnstile. You go through the crash gate and you say, hey, Ufa, I can't even get uh, a Metro card because all the machines are broken. And I'm to believe, this is what the token booth clerk had to say yesterday. I guess uh, he, he said this to get job security. I'm happy to be out of the booth. Um, I felt confined in there, and I felt like I couldn't get to the customer to help them properly. <laughs> you think any of these guys and gals want to leave that token booth? You really think they felt, no, 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 they were in a bunker. From all the crazies who would be attacking them, all the folks who would see them as the only uniform presence in an empty subway station so that if they have, were having a psychotic disorder, that's the person they would chase and throw into the tracks. Well, how about them patrolling the platforms? How about them moving around? Because stations are very large. They didn't mention anything like that. And why do we even need token booth clerks? We need cops. We need more cops in the subway. The fare evasion is unprecedented. And what are those gold brick lackers and deadbeats doing up in Albany as part of their negotiations with the feckless and weak crime wave Kathy Hochul governor? They want free bus fare. And you know what the next thing is? Free subway fare. And by the way, when you ask the question, well, who the hell is going to pay for it? They say, well, the Uber rich. Well, the Uber rich are continuing their exit to Florida and parts unknown. So I asked the question again, liberals, progressives, socialists of America, who the hell is going to be paying for all this free stuff you want? With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. I see. Talking about this is the Riffin Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. I pass the unleavened bread, the matzahs, the gnome laden. I say, hey, gnome, when's Passover? And he stumbled and fumbled. Of course he would. Most of you out there are not aware that it's right around the corner. You know, and my two youngest sons hitting me up for Passover presents. It's not like Hanukkah, but any excuse to get a present, right? The Passover starts April 5th, and it goes to Thursday, April 13th. Do you hear that, Noam Layden, huh? I got to tell you about your own peeps, this righteous Gentile. Hey, hey, hey. So now, 
Who's coming on tonight? Again, round two, eight to nine with John Katzmatidis, as he did Friday night, eight to nine. Andrew Evilize Cuomo, who all of a sudden has fashioned himself as a righteous Gentile. You see, he's slick. Just like every politician, they try to wrap themselves up in religion. You know, when, when all of a sudden Bill Clinton was having his problems as the perpetual perv that he was and got caught with Monica Lewinsky, the stained dress. Remember, he would always carry around a Bible. That guy never read the Bible. Give me a break. But listen to Andrew Evilize Cuomo talk about how his father actually talks to him. From Heaven's Gate, not with J.C., but with Hashem and Queen Esther. Tonight, my father, the late great Governor Mario Cuomo, is sitting with the great Eleanor Esther Elka Paul right now. And I will tell you what he is saying. Uh, So he channels uh, his father. By the way, he doesn't call his daddy or father or pops. He calls him Mario what, what exactly is it that Mario is telling you, channeling to you? Because I, I was hoping my father, Chester, would talk to me, uh, but he never seems to answer my call. He is saying it is time for the Shabbos Goy. The Shabbos Goy can do the work that benefits both the Jewish community and the non-Jewish community. The Shabbos Goy can turn on the lights on the Sabbath because it benefits everyone. Oh, it jo- is time to turn on the lights. Oh, the job is cool. It's time to answer the questions, Andrew Evilice Cuomo. Don't pretend to be like Elvis was down in Tupelo, Mississippi. And yes, Colin Powell was in the South Bronx. Uh, Chavez Goys, who would uh, help uh, observant Jews by going into their homes, turning on the pilot light, turning on lights turning off lights, and then shredding toilet paper, toilet paper, because you can't shred paper. So when it came time to wipe your tuchus, they had to already have pre-shred Charmin tissue paper. So let's get that out of the way. And let's get right down to what um, Andrew Evilice Cuomo must do. A, he must talk about how he was so wrong since we were the state in the most severe lockdown during the pandemic of March of 2020 and... Uh, under the guidance of Fauci, he led us into chaos and total depression and isolation as opposed to DeSantis, who opened up uh, Florida as freedom land. I said that as soon as uh, the vaccine is deemed ready and safe, I'll be the first one to take a vaccine. Uh, Maybe we enlist you. I'll do it with you. We'll do an ad telling New Yorkers it's safe to take the vaccine to... uh, to, you know, put us together. We're like the uh, modern-day uh, De Niro and Pacino. You can be which whenever, whichever you want. You can be the De Niro or Pacino. <laughs> Fauci and Cuomo, I'll give you a fun boy. Who, who do you want to be, De Niro or Pacino? Which one do you want to be? I love be? them both. <laughs> you know? I love them both. I don't want to insult one or the other. If I say one, I don't want to hurt the feelings of the other. Yeah. So who's the politician? Yeah. Fauci is a politician. We always knew that. From Bensonhurst, father had a pharmacy, went to Regis, Brainiac, Jesuit High School in Manhattan. And uh, Andrew Evilice Cuomo went to Malloy, White Shoes Malloy, right near Jamaica Hospital. They were disgraziata. They're laughing in the middle of the pandemic. They're having a great time. Oh, you beat De Niro, I'll be Pacino. 
And then on Friday night, Cuomo was attacking Joe Biden uh, for having such a porous border. And I say, yeah, you're right about that. But hey, hey, Andrew, remember, I have the biggest volume of statements you've ever made in your life as governor in New York State and before that. And you're the one who used to attack ICE, Limigre, Immigration and Naturalization Service, the brave agents who risk their life every day going out there issuing retainers on very bad hombres. And you were calling them the thugs. I remember that. New York State is the state that says we will not cooperate with ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. He politicized ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. We said we will sue them if they violate any criminal laws in the state of New York. So did the ice cube melt, Andrew? Could you address that tonight with John Katsimatidis? said you apologize to the ICE agents. Who put on bulletproof vests every day and on behalf of all of us for the United States government goes after the sex traffickers, the narco terrorists, the drug dealers, the gangbangers like MS-13 and 18th Street. Maybe a little apology, show a little humility, Andrew. It's probably not even in your soul. But on Friday, towards the end of that one hour, a caller did ask you a question that... You did the hop, skip, and a jump on, and I have the documentary evidence that proves that you're not ready. You're not ready to fully apologize for your sins. Russ from Manhattan. Russ from Manhattan, yes. Hello, Governor Cuomo. How are you, Russ? Russ? And Very good, thanks. How are you? Very fine, sir. Excellent. In 19, I should say, in 2014, you told conservative Republicans that they have no place in the state of New York. My question, as a lifelong Republican and New Yorker, do you think people like me and John Katsimatidis should jump on a bus and head down to Florida where we belong? No. 2014, you're testing my memory. Oh, testing the memory. Come on, Andrew. You know I got the cuts on you, right? Let's go back to 2014. I got all the cuts right here. You were very plain in telling us to get the hell out of New York in 2014. They, these extreme conservatives who are right to life, a poor assault weapon, anti-gay, is that who they are? Because if that's who they are, and if they are the extreme conservatives, they have no place in the state of New York. So this- because that's not who New Yorkers are. We have no place in the state of New York. That was 2014. Now, on Friday night, as... Andrew Evilized Cuomo was tiptoeing through the tulips on this question. Listen to his political spin. Uh, as I mentioned, Rich, the I had a Republican Senate for many years. Uh, we did a lot of good work together. Uh, and I don't think the issue now is Democrats and Republicans. Uh, I don't even think it's liberals and conservatives. I think it's irrational people on both ends of the spectrum. Unreasonable, irrational people. Uh, who can't distinguish between productive ideas and unproductive ideas, smart ideas and stupid ideas, frankly. Oh, come on. You didn't even answer the question. You said it in 2014. You have to say, you know, since then, I've changed my opinion. Uh, whether you have or you haven't, you got to address it, because then you started a whole tsunami of your fellow Democrats telling us all to get the hell out of here. Two years ago... It was the guy you supported for mayor, your very dear friend, Eric 
Adams, the swagger man with no plan who has become the mayor for the illegal aliens. Go back to Iowa. You go back to Ohio. New York City belongs to the people that was here and made New York City what it is. Hmm. Go back to Ohio. Go back to Iowa. And uh, Andrew Evelines Cohen never chastised then the borough president of Brooklyn. And then just a year ago, when Kathy Crimeway of Holcomb found out that she was running against Congressman Lee Zeldin, who had won a very spirited primary against Andrew Giuliani, Rob Astorino, and then in the end, uh, uh, Wilson. At the very first day, as soon as Zeldin was announced that he's a Republican challenger to Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, this was her response to all of us. The fate of democracy in this country. That's what we're fighting for, my friends. We are fighting for democracy. We're fighting to bring government back to the people and out of the hands of dictators. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro, just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you, re- you don't represent our values. Hmm. She was, so 2014 Cuomo, two years ago Adams, and then Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb at the start of her campaign in which she barely won against Zeldin, all of them saying the same thing, get the hell out of New York. And people have been leaving in droves. So what are you going to say now, Cuomo? And the front page headline says it all. Our own John Katsimatidis said the reason that we wanted Andrew Cuomo on tonight is that we are in a crisis in New York State. I agree, we are in a crisis. And Andrew uh, Evil Eyes Cuomo knows where all the political bones are buried and who buried them. Because remember, he was the campaign manager for his father, Mario Cuomo. Yeah, Mario Cuomo, when he was running in the runoff against Ed Koch to become mayor. And he sat in the Queens Democratic headquarters on Austin Street. I think it was Matty Troy who was the uh, chairman at that time, soon to go to jail for bilking widows, that thief. And anyway, young Andrew, I think he was early 20s, sitting with his dad, looking at the polls. Hey, it's looking bad, Dad, in this runoff against Koch. He's... Pro-death penalty, which has nothing to do in a mayoral race, and you're anti-death penalty. But the voters are glomming on a Koch, who was never pro-death penalty when he was congressman. But uh, David Garth, his campaign manager, said, you're going to be pro-death penalty in typical fashion. That's why I say never trust any politicians. He changed because it gave him the edge over Mario Cuomo. And then Andrew Cuomo said to his dad, Dad, if we don't execute this, you will lose. And then the young Cuomo, campaign manager for Mario Cuomo, said, Dad, this is what we're going to do. Here are the signs, fresh off the press. Vote for Cuomo, not the homo. You're ready to go out, Dad. All you got to do is give us the word, Mario. Mario did his typical Hamlet on the Hudson. He vacillated. He scratched his belly. He scratched his head. He wanted to be mayor. He said, go for it. Andrew, get him out there. I mean, they were everywhere. And the polling numbers against Koch tanked. And then David Carth, again, who uh, engineered so many to become mayor in this city. John Lindsay first, Ed Koch, and then, yes, Rudy himself the second time around. 
said, Ed, I'm going to put in a call to every Booba and Zeta's sweetheart. America's first Jewish Miss America, Beth, Beth Meyerson. And you and Beth are going to be together, and you're going to pretend you're going to get married if you get elected mayor, uh, and you move into Gracie Mansion. You're going to BS everybody, because if you don't, you lose right here. And he did. And he pretended like he was heterosexual, and we all knew that Ed Koch was not heterosexual. He was gay. Just ask Robert Wagner Jr. and a whole bunch of those guys used to go running around there. You know, hey, look, that was their thing. Back then, you couldn't be open like you can now, but the point was... It was all a mirage. And then Cuomo crashed and burned. So it'll be interesting tonight to hear Andrew evilize Cuomo. Lou, uh, may I do the salute in honor of the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant, so many years, so many years ago, who was friends with Mario Cuomo. And then uh, Cuomo decided to part ways with Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, who is the king of all local talk radio right here at WABC. He gave them Mario salute. Mario, I send them a to you provenos fachine. And he is. And now Andrew, Andrew Evelines Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo, is trying his resurrection here on the most powerful talk radio station in the nation. But I know you're listening Andrew out there in your compound in Southampton on WLIRRFM affiliate. You're behind, uh, you know, you, you got the mattresses out. You're stirring the marinara sauce with your your brother Fredo, Chris Cuomo, and, of course, your wartime consigliere, Joe Pococo, uh, who just got out of federal prison doing six years for federal corruption. I know you're making your comeback. Don't tell me it's not a comeback. It is. But answer the questions, Andrew. Answer the freaking questions. Spectacular. Now, here's the Sid wrap-up. Boy. No sleep till. Brooklyn for Sid Rosenberg and yours truly, Curtis Lee. What for me is Kanasi. But uh, it was interesting, uh, as I'm on with uh, Sid Rosenberg and friends as the fiend and foe, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 7.05. He didn't discuss it with me, but later on he started to muse poetic, almost like he was totally fatuts. Once he heard the name of number 13 when he was a New York Met, the Italian stallion, Lee Mazzilli. My friend Mike Cave just texted me, and he says, Hey, Sid, hope all is going well and the family is good. Wanted to see if we could get, oh, it's L.J. Mazzilli on the show to talk about his new podcast. Lee would come on, too. So father and son, Lee Mazzilli and his kid, I'm like, do you understand, Mike? I've had a 45-year crush on Lee Mazzilli. Oh, my God. He was kissing. Like, I mean, what is it? It was like homoerotic. He went on to talk of a waxing poetic about the Italian stallion Lee Mazzilli. Now, that's true. Look, a lot of guys grew up. I, uh, I was a sophomore in high school, Brooklyn Prep. Uh, JV baseball team, Coach Duffy, you know, from West New York. Hey. 
Um, and uh, I was the captain of the team. I wasn't a very good uh, hardball player. Hardball player. I couldn't hit the fastball. Could kill the curve, but nobody would ever throw me curves. But anyway, I'm the leadoff hitter. It's an exhibition game before the beginning of the CHSL season, Catholic high school season, and we're playing in an exhibition, the PSAL champions, Lincoln High School. It's star Lee Mazzilli, who I think was from Gravesend, and he was ambidextrous. I had no idea. So he he's the the lead pitcher for Lincoln, he strikes me out. I didn't even take the uh, lumber off my shoulder. I mean, he was throwing bullets. Then the next time I was up, because he retired nine hitters in a row, uh, and then I'm up again, and he's now pitching from the left-hand side. He's ambidextrous. Now he's making me look bad. I said, I'm going to kill this ball. And he strikes me out with three curveballs, and I didn't even take the lumber off my shoulder. The guy was a phenomenal at, at it. Uh, athlete. He was like a gazelle in the field, steel bases. He was all everything. And then when he would sit on the bench, he'd be smoking cigarettes. He was like Joe DiMaggio. He'd be smoking packs and packs. Nobody was going to tell Lee Mazzilli anything. And then he was a world champion skater as a youngster competing in the wide world of sports in Wisconsin with all those Dutchmen on the ponds because he would practice at Abe Stark, the ice skating arena right there in Coney Island. The guy was all everything. I remember at that time, number 13 for the Mets, Joe Torre was the manager from Marine Park. Yeah, they were the Italian Stallions, but their team sucked at that time. And then Sid did the wrap-up for the expectation of the return of Andrew Evilize Cuomo tonight with John Katsimatidis from 8 to 9. Being that Cuomo has become such a huge story today, I asked everybody about it. Peter King, Brian Kilmeade, Katsimatidis just did a great segment on Cuomo. All of you guys, I asked, Peter, Lewis, Justin, and Noam, uh, will you be listening tonight when Cuomo is on? Whether you like him, hate him, will you be listening? And I think most of you will be. You may lie and say no. That's okay. We have no way to prove it. And remember, then they'll be talking about Cuomo's second appearance all night long. In the morning, Sid will be critiquing it, and I'll be talking about it. Let me tell you something. He better fess up. He, he, if he, he better fess up. It's time to fess up. But you better believe people will be listening to see if he does.